Live from the White Tower in Tarvalon, this is Drill Trains of Thought. Tim, this is a pretty nice place, but I I feel a little out of place. We're not in a nunnery, are we? Like, no, I I, I'm only seeing women around here. If my suspicions are correct, um, this is a place that's not nunnery by any means. And um, if we, they see us kind of sneaking around and looking suspicious, they will put us to work or uh, kick us out or worse. Oh, so okay. Yeah, let's. I think I think it's best to lay low. Well, I mean, they they're dressed nice, multi kind of multicolored. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, stay away from the red ones. Okay. Yes. What uh, about, trust me. What about the green ones? Stay away from them too. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Different reason. Okay. Yes. I will. I will take your word on it. Yes. Uh, but again, this corner. The nice thing is they won't. They won't probably think our. Well, don't let them see our um, recording devices. They might think they're tearing or ill. Huh? Yeah, never mind then. Okay, so, Tim. <laughs> so, wait, are, are they superstitious? Um, they will want to test it to see its abilities. Oh, okay. But we get, we can't let them do that because we got a podcast Exactly, to do. exactly. Episode number 70-something. 70 73. All right. Yay. Woohoo! That's The first of 2017. That is. That makes it momentous. Yes. We'll have to come up with something momentous for every episode of 2017. I think that we should. Like, this is the first time <laughs> in February. February. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, January, but yes. <laughs> nice. Welcome, dear listener. Yes, uh, this is Nick. And this is Tim. And I, should we go ahead and get started with our um, story school? Let's do it. By the time this comes out, it will be uh, a little bit after the inauguration. Yay, a day and, of rejoicing for yes. everyone in America. <laughs> or something. In, in case, <laughs> um, because we're sure that people will want to talk at, ad nauseum, we will discuss politics today. Yeah, we're, we're tempting fate here a yeah. little bit, I think. Uh, America's been uh, kind of had its fill of politics exactly. lately. But, I mean, some, depending on who you talk to. Everyone's sick of some sort of politics. <laughs> okay, fair, there you go. But anyways, we're not talking about real-life politics, because that would just be depressing. Um, we're instead talking about p- how politics is used in a story. Because, hello, this is Dear Old Trains of Thought. That's yeah, what we do. Exactly. So, um, I guess the first thing to say is that sometimes we talk about politics is, you know, as a conflict, people would be like, boring. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think everyone thinks that, but some, I think that some people's gut reaction, they'd rather see swords and, and punches and guns and chases than people talking. Yeah, and I think... Having politics in stories, it all depends on how it's presented um, and how people will will go for it. I mean, if you think on the surface level, it makes perfect sense why uh, political intrigue is a thing and why it makes for good storytelling. Because storytelling at its heart is about conflict. conflict. (laughs) (laughs) And there's plenty of that in political maneuvering. Well, and I think the nice thing about the – I think the the upside to politics as a a conflict device – is that it really encapsulates in usually a person or two the ideas of entire culture. Hmm. Like, if you want to do idea versus idea, politics is a great vehicle for doing it. It's hard to do idea versus idea when you have, like, two guys fighting in, in loincloth or something like that. If it's Yeah, if you're, like, a simple revenge story or it's all about the romance or something yeah. like that, it's, it's not the ideal platform for 
deep thoughts about what nations' responsibilities are. Yeah, so so you have you know science fiction does this all the time. We'll just we, that's our our wheelhouse largely. <laughs> um, but you know you got Star Trek and some Star Wars and Babylon Five where. Usually, there's one or two people, the ambassadors, or whatever, that kind of represent the values of a certain people. Mm-hmm. And even bef- if you wanted to go into fantasy before yeah. that, you've got you know kings and princes and yeah. queens and all the maneuverings of the royal court. And there's there's something in most political stories, and there's exceptions I'm sure we'll get into, but there's definitely something about the people in charge. Yeah. You know, you know, just aside from the the whole you know battle of ideas thing. Dealing with the people in charge, you get bigger consequences for all the actions that are involved. And, it, and it's interesting because some ways the way to keep a king from using his power, you have other people put weight that's not physical. You that's know, true. You know, like, oh, I'll withhold my daughter or I won't give you my taxation. or You know, that it's a way of, it's a power struggle, but it's a, it's a much more subtle one in many ways. Yeah, when you're dealing with like other dukes and then there's mm-hmm. like... Oh, this could start a war, or yeah, things like that. I mean, um, Stormlight Archive, the Brandon Sanderson's new big uh, thing we've been going through. There's there's a decent amount of politics where people kind of fighting for who's going to be in control of this war, you know. And there's a, there's this society, the Alethi, where basically all the dukes kind of have their not dukes, but high princes. They all do their own way of trying to get the power. There's a lot of this power struggle back and forth. And there's this one guy who's you know, so that's part of the story is this like, but the unsettledness between the high princes is also something that the, the king wants to, he wants to unify them, but they all have their own thing. Mm. So there's that, that tension, which is one of many conflicts going on. Sure. And that's, that's what seems to be one of the main political things sometimes is like, let's bring order to all these various... Or, order to chaos. Yeah. Bring order to the galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was certainly it in... Um, Balan Five, you know, got all these crazy races, and they've got all agree on something. Peace, uh-huh. you know, peace, peace as a as um, a MacGuffin, as a MacGuffin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Has two ways. You have war. You you can either battle it out, which is sometimes, but a lot of times on the home front, peace is won by assuaging people, buying people, or, or convincing can, people. Or can you maintain the peace yeah. to, to prevent going into the war? And, and I always find the kind of, that sort of story fascinating because it's the, like, how do you deal with the aftermath? You know, yeah, it's one thing to go and kill the enemy king. It's another thing to say, hey, we're going to make his people not hate me forever. <laughs> it's true. So that, that's sort of our yeah. big picture of what some of the, the neat things about it. But let's talk a little bit about those how you convince your audience, in a sense, that this stuff is going to wind up being interesting. Okay. Because I was thinking about what what you talked about earlier with, like, you know, people think here politics and they don't really want to get into that in their stories. I think an interesting picture of this is Star Wars, actually. Um, Because you think about episode one. Yeah. I think that's probably the wrong way to introduce politics, too. Because people say Star Wars has no business having... uh, politics in yeah. it and i would disagree um because i think even if you look go back and look at the first novelization of star wars yeah. like the prologue it says it describes the the old republic well, in ways anyway, that we later saw well and then the role of po- politics in the prequels is to show the disintegration of the ideal of the republic yeah i agree i do think th- Probably it didn't help though that it was kind of brought in so sort of suddenly. Like they no. were sort of like the opening crawl. You have the stuff about trade federations yeah. and blockades and what the heck is a legal blockade anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're kind of dropped into the middle of all this. And I think that usually, 
I think that usually hurts. I can uh, see that. Yeah. Stories because like I was thinking too about Final Fantasy twelve. Yeah, they do some of this sort of stuff where they just kind of occasionally they'll do they'll cut away to a scene with the evil empire and some of the power struggles in there and. I usually found those scenes kind of forgettable, yeah. honestly, because it didn't have it didn't have a strong connection to your main characters. And, and and I think the way to make politics works is that obviously politics brings in the whole you know system or culture of whatever, but it needs to be centered in a person you care about. Yeah, you know, and when they do it well, like yeah, this person is talking for all the Mimbari, but you like Delenn, you know, if you're talking about in five or in Star Wars, you know, when it makes more sense when Amidala's up there sometimes after you've got to know Amidala. Yeah. Because she's talking for her country and you, you she's speaking not just for herself, but for, for her planet, but you care about it because she's her and not because she's some nameless person. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think the Galactic Senate scenes are much stronger in episode three than they would be in episode one. I mean, yeah. there's that quote from episode three that everyone likes to quote, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is how democracy dies. The, the thunderous applause. Yeah. Which means something outside of the context of Star Wars, yeah. you know, that you can get kind of a political idea that now it's, some people have pointed out it's a bit vague, like either side can sort of point to to it, but it, it does yeah. say something that, you know, when freedoms are lost, it's because you're, you are making someone happy. Okay. Bouncer Galactica. The main political issue a lot of times is that it's between the civilian government and the military, mm-hmm. but you like people on both sides. So when they have this struggle, like, we need to keep us safe. We need to be in charge. And mm. the, the civilian is like, no, but this is our government, you know, and how we need to run things. It's a real conflict, not just because they both have good points, but because both the characters are not, are, are, are interesting and intriguing or. Inter- yeah. You, you've grown to care about the characters, but you, and you can also see both sides of the argument. And, and arguments like that too, well, it's in this science fiction realm, have a. Uh, analogy or application in real world stuff you know mm, people mm-hmm. were think about wait do we want things forced or do we want it voted on you know that there's that yeah those tensions that are semi-universal in a, at least in a western world yeah we talked in our aliens episode about how a lot of these uh these alien fantasy races are sort of a a stand-in for real world ideas yeah. and you know agendas yeah in a sense it's one thing to just have that representation, but then, you know, the political side of it is seeing them sort of hash it out. A really good modern, like, very recent example is um, The Crown, the 10 episodes that I watched. Oh, okay. It's, it's British monarchy, so it's a different setup. And you're, now, now you're going to a historical, like, setting, though. Like, real, like, to. you have actual queens and mm-hmm. prime ministers, you know, Churchill's in it. And, oh, okay. You know, there's yeah. um, one of the most memorable for me is um, the Queen's sister. Wants to marry a divorced man. Okay. The queen is supposed to represent the Church of England, oh. which is not allowed divorce. Henry VIII and all that, you know, back yeah. in the day. Mm-hmm. So there's this real tension between she wants to see her sister happy, but she's the crown. So like in one person, you have kind of these two ideals at fighting with each other. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and you also have in the context of the show the the idea that well, culture is moving forward, you know, things are more acceptable mm. than they used to be, but can the queen move forward or should she not because she's the queen? Because she's the queen. Yeah. So there's a lot of really good um, interrelation between the personal person and the, the position mm-hmm. in, in The Crown. The Crown, if you have not watched, is very good and deserved the, the Golden Globe at one. Was it a BBC show or? No, Netflix original. Oh, Netflix original. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah. But anyways, very, you know, a very uh, subtle way sometimes of playing between the politics and the person. And Churchill has some of this stuff because he's trying to keep on keep power, but he's getting old and people like him, but it's a new generation. You know, there's a lot of this, this intersection between what politics demands and what culture demands and what mm-hmm. personhood demands. Cool. So it's, it's good stuff. Nice. Yeah, like the historical aspect, that can add a whole nother feature to yeah. it. Or you watched a lot of West Wing. Well, right? I've, I've watched bits and pieces. Oh, okay. My parents okay. have watched a lot of West Wing, which is a remarkable thing. I think it's one of the few times Aaron Sorkin was able to do a very balanced show. He's very good at... In his shows, he's very good at being being able to show all their, all sides of things. Well, sometimes I've heard of I've heard of some cases where okay, I've not seen much of that. Lean even more liberal, but yeah, in in West Wing at the very least, it sounds like he did a, a very good job at you know even though the the um, the people in the White House in that show it's a Democrat White House yeah. they, they liked to uh, be the opposite of what the current administration yeah. was at the time. I think somewhat convenient timing that they decided to end the show right when like a Democrat <laughs> was about to be, be yeah. elected. But anyway, so even though they, you know, probably disagree, my parents would disagree with some issues. They yeah. said they, you know, you love the characters. You, you sort of, and like you said, they'd be able honest to show the with other both side. sides. Yeah. 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 And I think that's important in politics too. It, well, there's two ways to do it. If you're going to do a more realistic politics, you've got to be honest with both sides. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do more of the kind of fancy bad versus good, you can have like the evil king and the, the noble, you know, Robin Hood sort of deal. Yeah. And that's fine too. But, but I think, you know, there is this sort of discussion where it's two sides that are valid points, but you're, for whatever reason, pushing one, one side wins out. Maybe not, it's not always the best side. It's just what the characters think or what works for the world or what moves the conflict mm-hmm. or... In the best, in the best, I think that's the the best way to do yeah. like modern political stuff. I know I don't know that everyone does it perfectly. I mean, you and I are a little uh, out of touch here because we can't talk about House of Cards, which I guess is a big. I know. Netflix Zach's show. watched it. He does. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, th- th- there's that. Um, I've I watched a little bit of uh, Designated Survivor. Oh yeah. Um, I've fell behind last season, so I've only seen like the first three or four episodes. I'm curious to see where they go with it because it is another avenue where you can explore some, you know, it's a big what if, essentially. Yeah. Like, if you don't know the concepts, Jack Bauer, I mean, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, <laughs> is, uh, was the designated survivor at after uh, the State of the Union address, which gets bombed and yeah. everyone died. President, Congress, they're all dead. And so he becomes the new president. And it deals with some of these sort of issues that people probably have wondered in our very, you know, conflicted times about like, well, who really has the power? You know, how much can the president actually do with yeah. his executive orders and stuff like that? And I don't know that oh, the last episode I, I, I saw where he basically conned the governor of Michigan to coming so he could arrest him. Uh, he conned him to come to DC yeah. because he was like causing trouble and what just wasn't playing ball. And yeah. anyway, it, it raises some interesting issues, and I was maybe curious about what direction politically the show would go in. But it's an, it's I mean that's an extreme situation yeah. type of show, so it's hard to say. Or any Tom Clancy book. I haven't read m- most of them, but I mean those are all basically like kind of what ifs, but oh, okay. in a very realistic. Like, set. This could happen, and like what would happen if this happened? And some of the stuff he wrote could happen. Kind of later on did happen, like in um. Mm, the one before um, Executive Orders, the one I re- read, which was the one where Jack Ryan becomes president, because in the previous book, a plane ran into the Capitol and killed. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but Tom Clancy does. You know, I my dad had read some of them. Like there's one called The Bear and the, the Bear and the Dragon, which is about Russia and China. And uh-huh. it, so you know, some people do a really good job of sort of extrapolating realistic things off of this stuff. I, I'm I don't I can't. But I think I mentioned to you. This may have been way back a long time ago on the podcast. The movie Wag the Dog. Uh, yeah, it's a that one is a political satire actually, where in order to distract the public essentially from a presidential sex scandal, the his public relations people basically engineer a fake war, a war that that doesn't actually happen, but for all the American people know happens, yeah, like overseas, <laughs> and it gets everyone all riled up about this thing, and it's about like him working with a Hollywood producer to manufacture the thing. Interesting. I remember seeing previews way back when. Yeah. What's funny, you know, talk about paralleling real life. It happened sometime like during the Clinton administration, yeah. and people said some of his, you know, military strikes at that time were also sort of distractions. So it was, yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of eerie the, the way life imitates art sometimes. Yeah. But, but yeah. So there's another what if or a kind of a, a farcical sort of look at to our whole presidential process. Yeah. So there's a way to use politics, not just in the con- conflict sense, but in like examining of real life yeah and exp- and you know if you do a really good one like some people say oh it's boring they just talk but there's very compelling movies are basically just people talking <laughs> um i mean a lot of old movies are basically that i mean we're yeah, we live true. in an era now where but like um i was trying to think of good political movies seen recently but like lincoln oh yeah you know i mean it's basically about trying to decide that one bill they were passing right a lot of it a lot of it yeah that's true i forgot that a lot of it was i was thinking in my head it was it was mostly uh Historical, biographical. I mean, it does help that, that Lincoln's very, very. I mean, it helps that you have a you you anchored a very interesting character. Yeah, but I, I forgot that they did very. They centered that movie on a particular bill passage mm-hmm. that they were trying to get through. And I never watched uh, all Samuel Adams that miniseries a year. Watch all. Oh that. yeah, but I, I think that's a lot of that sort of you know. Yeah. It's, him and wait, the character. Wait, was it Samuel Adams or John Adams? Oh, sorry, John Adams. Samuel, yeah. no, his cousin Samuel Adams. Uh, a mini series on Samuel Adams would probably be a lot more fiery. <laughs> yes, John Adams. <laughs> um, but again, they work because they're they're attached to a very interesting person. Mm-hmm. Again, that's how you know just having people talk about ideas doesn't work. But you attach an idea to a face mm-hmm. and attach an idea to a culture. In real life, they say, you know, politics is downstream from culture. So for not a lot of times, the political battle is just an expression of, you know, man versus culture. Yeah. You know, you know that's because that's hard, it's hard to do man versus culture. That's true. In lots of ways. Yeah, and I think that is another... And this is what Robin Hood is, man versus government, man yeah. versus culture. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking another case of um, them sort of setting up a character and then kind of exploring the political ramifications of it. Uh, Avatar Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about... It, all you need to know is to start, there's a Fire Nation. They've kind of taken over this, this setup. That's all you need. Then, and then, oh, and then there's this uh, prince, that guy that's chasing our, our heroes. Then you get to peel back the curtain and say, well, this prince, he's got his own father issues. And then, this, and then you know, two seasons later, you find out, well, this war started because of you know, these people involved in this yeah. and so forth and so yeah. on. So, but to just start off with... Well, let me tell you about the this royal family yeah. and their family issues. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, how, how should I care about all yeah. this stuff? Of course, you don't want to over. It's like politics is sort of like exposition. You can't yeah. front load it. it. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And we've been talking about a lot about uh, shows that are 
it's heavy in pol- politics. But there's also politics that's basically your inciting incident. I was hmm. thinking X-Men movies. Basically, some guy okay. comes in like, let's register to them or let's do something governmentally to them. So, you know, and then, and then the whole movie starts and it's all about fighting. And, you know, and then you just normal movie, but it's the kind of the, the starting incident. I mean, the original in A New Hope, Mm-hmm. Part of the political aspects, basically, like, I'll tell the Senate about you. We've disbanded the Senate. And, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> that's it's, just, it's, yeah. an, it's a background. Uh-huh. But it gives a sense that there were powers trying to work, but it just gets the conflict started. There's, so there's an interesting contrast there. So that's a, that, a new hope a bit where they just kind of drop the, these little shells and they kind of yeah. drop you into the middle of it. I guess in some ways you could, some people try to make that excuse for, or maybe George made that excuse for, um, Phantom Menace just yeah. dropping you in the middle of stuff, but I think that was overload. What if you could go too much the other way? In this case, now I'm thinking The Force Awakens, where yeah. I, I've argued that I don't think they gave you enough political insights yeah. into what was going on between, like, who the heck is the... Is there an actual republic yeah. now? Who the heck is... Where the, the, the Yeah, but you need a context for who... In, politics is basically who has the power order, in yeah. a structure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, you, know, do, you don't really need much even in uh, Force Awakens. But need a, I mean, a little bit more would have been very helpful. Yeah. Because especially after Return of the Jedi, where the last thing you really knew was... Everything was right with the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Somehow we figured there was some Republic and whatever, but then there's all these other stuff running around and we have no context for the power struggle. Because politics is power. Yeah. And you want to know who has and who doesn't. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, you could get enough to get by, but it, it felt like... A piece of the world was missing. That piece, yeah, a piece I of agree that on that one. Missing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And, and it's interesting in like Rogue, when we're talking about uh, Star Wars, Rogue One, you get a decent amount of... <laughs> we'll cover all the Star Wars movies <laughs> by the time we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Empire Strikes Back doesn't have that much politics in it. Well, nah. okay, so Londo <laughs> is trying to make sure the Empire stays out of his business. Um, Literally. But Rogue, <laughs> exactly. Um, but Rogue One is an interesting comment because we Ooh. talked about it on our sidetrack. But we've got kind of this lower-level politics going on, you know, between yeah. Krennic and... Internal affairs. Internal basically. affairs. You know, yeah. like, the power struggle between on both sides. Because that's really where a lot of conflict politics come. Who is going to end up with the power? Yeah. You know? Because someone's got to. Yeah. But is it going to be this guy or that guy? Who's going to win? And, and that, that, yeah, that's true for no matter what sort of governmental setting you're in, whether yeah. it's the royal court or the staff cabinet. Yeah, and it's, it's always... And again, I think that's... That's how it becomes fascinating, because that's where the conflict is, really. It's the ideas, but it's also just, who wins? I mean, that's who we want to know. You yeah. know does a good guy win? And yeah, the good guy true. is whoever you agree with. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fair point. Yeah. So, I mean, generally. Maybe a side area, and you can tell if this is, would maybe be legal battles. It's kind of a, I don't know, mm. it's not quite politics, but it doesn't exist outside of politics. There's some of that. I think it depends... Okay, the courtroom story. dramas. Yeah, your, some of your courtroom dramas. I mean, not necessarily like your murder trial stories. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't. I, say. I'm thinking like few good men, few Sor- good men. Sorkin. You know. Yeah. Or um, first thing I thought of was a time to kill. Um, I haven't seen that. Well, I guess I don't know, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But sometimes because the laws, uh, there's some there's some uh, racial issues in that okay. one. So maybe that's because sometimes the laws are what exist and you're fighting against it's, i guess maybe it's not politics but another version of that you versus culture yeah it's it's definitely the the civil civic sphere the yeah. public sphere i guess is a better way to determine yeah it. you're down from the kings and stuff yeah so i mean and we've talked a lot about the the people in power but there are a few stories about the political structure yeah. from the 
everyday man. Yeah. Have you seen, it's not everyday man, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? I have. It's been a long time. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. I keep thinking, when I was our topic i'm like i really need to watch that movie no i mean that's that is a very classic example of an american you know i mean it's the american story of uh you know average guy who gets elected and then winds up taking on big and in that story he's basically against unions and stuff like and there's, that a, there's stories running around like that of the the lawyer who takes on the big whatever company you know is the enemy in this case yeah or like uh aaron brockovich yeah like that yeah yeah, yeah that sort of thing and that, yeah, and that's, it's like a lower level version. Of yeah, kind of kind of ground level in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I guess Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's a middle level, kind of middle level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the those those type of stories definitely there's some political undertones in there, even if it's not the because it usually is the repercussions of what happens or after or, or where we are in society and how it, we there's deal like with a snapshot of you know you got some of these like uh, you know civil rights sort of movies sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. These things can be the more you get, I think, closer to the actual issues is where you get it gets very tricky. Actually, in some ways, the I think the higher ups, the gov- the higher up in the government is a little safer area to talk about. When you get into specifics, when your story really is about specific issues, then you're going to be have a more divisive story. Yeah, about because it, who believes you know who agrees with the filmmaker and who doesn't, yeah. as opposed to being or, ideas or, the or, or, or general, as opposed to being principles that people can defend or. D- not defend, it becomes specific issues. And that's just more divisive. Yeah. I mean, it might be your point, but it's it's not as well, uh, universally applicable. And it's much like the same problem with Christian films. If your story is more about trying to convey an idea or have a certain you know agenda to yeah. it, then it's less of a story and more propaganda. Yeah, exactly. So. And we've had that issue. We've had a podcast about propaganda before. Yeah. Cool. So did we miss anything? That's most of my big points. Yeah. So I don't think it's something to shy away from, but I think it's like most of the topics we cover, it's something that has to be done, handled in the right way. Yeah. I think you, you attach it to really compelling characters and, you know, ideas that people can root for mm-hmm. or root against if you want to make it anti. I mean, I guess if you, if you want to have be from a very, you know, like, again, like we talked in our messages episode, if you want to be have a very specific point of view, understand that you're going to have a limited audience because of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to go for your Ayn Rand's and all that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that exactly. Ayn Rand's very like, it, it's just, yeah, it's just political. But a political politics in a story doesn't have to be that. No. So, no. I guess that'll be the end of our story school. So, we'll go to our first soundtrack. I was thinking this, and I'm, I, I'm like, what video games have politics? I knew there were ones, but again, I'm way out of the loop on new stuff. And I did a little thing, and I was reminded of Sudokin, which is this great series. I only played the first one for PlayStation, but it's... So it may not be a great series, but at least the first game was good. Huh? Yeah, I've heard other... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've heard other, well, the other ones good. Fabulous music. There's lots of, you know, there's this rebellion, and people get killed, and then take down some kings, and you make your whole army, and kind of... You, like, were, like, the son of a king, and then you, like, get this army for rebellion. It's crazy. I mean, it's a lot of big kind of... Good times. Movies, good times like that. <laughs> but this is called uh, Cliff the Great Crusader. It's remixed by Trentian, and it's quite um, peppy, and I think you'll enjoy it. Thank you. 
Welcome back. Yay. And now we're going to, um, after enjoying that wonderful song, go to... What If. All right, Tim, this was your idea, so I'll let you explain this. Oh, okay. For What If today, uh, since we've already done something back in our 50th episode, we did a thing with where we uh, took real-life politicians and put them in TV shows, so I thought, ah, we need something different for this time. So instead, we've come up with a number of races, nationalities, et cetera, from pop culture. Yep. I think probably mostly science fiction. Probably. That's the easiest place to get most of them. Yeah. So we're going to draw uh, five of them out of we the We have hat. not seen each other's uh, ones. So names. We have not even seen all half these right, names. Right, right. So this will be a surprise. But these five races, nationalities, whatever, they're going to inhabit the same universe. Limited, we, a limited area. Yes. And we will talk about uh, what that political landscape looks like. On a, a universe like a world? Um, it's a good question. Like a city? <laughs> well, we didn't really talk about the parameters uh, of this. A I, neighborhood. I was... <laughs> a house. <laughs> Big brother. <laughs> Let's say, for the purposes of argument, for one, they should probably ha- all have like equal technological level. Yeah. Okay. So one can't like run ramshot over another. Yeah. You know, we need a limited space to make them really work. Otherwise, they'll just live in like... Yeah, let's, let's say a planet. A planet. Okay. It's like some sort of... Um, the Hunger Games planet. <laughs> not really. No, it's like a it's neutral. Not, it's a neutral planet. A it's neutral Switzerland. Planet. Okay, there you go. There you go. It's the Switzerland or, you know, planet, like a space station for diplomats exactly. and entrepreneurs. Yeah, where the last best hope of peace. Yeah, something like that. If you've never seen Battle Five, <laughs> you you would enjoy this podcast hundred percent more. <laughs> okay, our races are. The Cree, the Cree from Marvel. I wondered if they'd get some. Uh, if you'd bring some, uh, your Nova readings. Yeah, I, I almost I should put in humans, but I put Cree. Yeah, I try to put one from each. That works. All right. So the next we got Boone, the Boove, Boove. Have you ever seen Home? Home? No. Okay. Oh, is this that? Is this the that cartoon? That cartoon with, yeah. Okay. I don't, I know absolutely nothing about these people. The so. Boove are ridiculous, and they're cowardly, and they uh, tend to collect. Uh, they tend to terraform planets for their own purposes. Okay, how big are they? Are they They're big? like child size. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. I realize we probably should explain some of these uh, for people who don't know them. Yeah. So who are the Kree? The Kree are an uh, alien race from Marvel Universe. They're green. Ronan, the accuser, is a Kree. Um, they, from Guardians of the from Galaxy. From Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, they tend to be kind of warlike, but not as warlike as, um, as the Skrull. The scroll are even more warlike, but okay. they're 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 a relatively advanced race that will fight and defend their area, and everyone will go out and take over some stuff. Okay, and the Boove are terraforming. They're they're merchant. they're ridiculous. Their the their leader has a shusher, is a stick that basically you hit people with to make them stop talking. <laughs> um, Steve by uh, voiced by Steve Martin, the the leader. Um, and they have these balls that like collect all the things they think are useless, which are usually things that are helpful for humans and they they just run away from their enemies and okay yeah they're they're crazy interesting okay and then we've got the uh the klingons the klingons okay klingon kree would either get along well or not depending yeah because on... if you don't know klingons you're been living in a hole but you know they're a very warrior like race from star trek uh, okay who else we got here Dwarves. Dwarves. Oh, from, man. As in Lord of the Rings, dwarves. Man, the clan. All right. And then finally. As long as the dwarves make the clan their nice fighting swords, they'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Vulcans. Oh, we got two, oh, of, this. We got two of the Star Trek nice. races. In okay. Here. I don't hmm. think the Vulcans are going to be at home with these other races very no, well. No, the Vulcans are going to just be like, uh, 
Yeah, because we got some. I mean, the Klingons are more aggressive than not. Yes, and the dwarves are more um, belligerent. Belligerent. Yes, they, they can, can. They can be isolationists, though. Yeah. So they, depending on the circumstances, may just decide to hole up in a cave. They somewhere. may just hole up, and people come. They'll make them stuff, and they might just be. I mean, some of this seems like like the boover. The problem with the boo, from my understanding, they'll probably be more, um, interfere more than they should and cause problems without meaning to. Mm, that could be. Like everyone, like you can see the Klingons and the, and the dwarves and Creed kind of having this uneasy peace. Like, you stay there, I'll stay here, we'll just do our thing. Uh-huh. And the boo will just kind of like... Come in and mess things up. Yeah, they go over, it. they don't care about the boundary lines or anything, and then... <laughs> and the Vulcans would probably Vulcans would probably be trying to uh, deal with them the most because they realize logically they the most the biggest troublemakers actually and the boo are not particularly <laughs> logical and so it might it feels a little bit like if if Spock had to babysit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I can kind of see this. Okay, so we have the Vulcans babysitting the boo. Nice. And then we have the Cree, the the Klingons, and the dwarves. You feel like they'd be kind of like um, rough partners. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as long no one made them mad. Yeah. Well, I mean, but as, the, soon, as soon as someone, you know, if you yeah. if there's some grudge there, then the whole thing spirals out of control. It's a, it begins a big powder keg. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I can could, I could see the dwarves having pretty good relations with either the Kree or the Klingons. Especially if they trade weapons and stuff. Exactly. Trade weaponry and all, all, that, all that kind of stuff. The Kree are a little more advanced than the rest of them, but we're just giving them all equal. I think probably the two that could be the... If things went wrong, I could very easily see the dwarves and the Klingons getting into a war just between themselves. Just for fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, kind of. Almost. I mean, they'd be like, that was a good war. Let's do it again in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It depends on, probably on who's in charge of the Kree at any given time. Yeah. About whether they would try to take advantage of the conflict or not. Yeah, they like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, and they like to do some genetic engineering on people occasionally. Oh, do they? Because that, that's where the Inhumans came from. Oh, that's right. That's right. They're, so that's right. The Kree are the blue people, right? Yes. Yeah, and the Skrull are green? The Skrull, the shapeshifter. Yeah, they're green. Okay. Yeah. Just yes. keep my Marvel races straight. The color helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if the Kree would sub... I suppose which era the Kree are in, where they would try to influence some things mm-hmm. or not. I mean, they. my guess is they'd probably just stick to themselves in, in this setup. Probably, yeah, especially with the Vulcans. I, th- I feel like the Vulcans would sort of kind of keep them in check. The Vulcans will kind of be like the Jedi of this era. Yeah, I mean, because I they would kind of be the peacekeepers, because yeah. they're, they're kind of mediators. Uh huh. And then we have the 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 chaotic neutral <laughs> yeah. move. The move. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can sort of, certainly so see that. so. I think I think you'd have an easy piece with flare ups now and then, especially between clans and the dwarves. Yeah, with the Krieg throwing in sometimes. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think that uh, summarizes that one pretty well. So let's do another grouping. All here. right. And we'll save those. I don't know. I'll save more here in case we need. Maybe we could have these plants come to meet each other. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. All right. Here's the next one. We've got Nazis. Ooh, Nazis. <laughs> this is not ending well. <laughs> Probably not. All right. Next, we got the Goron. The Goron. Uh, they're the rock-eating creatures from Zelda. Oh, okay. Are, are they the? Like, are they in the first one? I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. I've, I think they're only, I think they're first in Ocarina. Are they first? Okay. No. At least the first I've noticed them. I see. I, my. I'm playing Ocarina right now. My, oh, gotcha. For the first time. So. My, oh, for the first time. Nice. My, my Zelda knowledge is very limited. I mean, but I know the basics. They like to eat rocks. 
Um, they live underground. They're kind of dwarfish, but they look like they kind of look like rocks. Oh, okay. They eat uh, rocks and they look like rocks. I mean, they're they're brown and and bulky and okay. Um, they like their chief at least likes uh music and will dance kind of crazy when he hears it. <laughs> so they're they're relatively friendly. Do they do they like rock and roll? Oh um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Um, next, we have Moogles. Ooh, nice. This is going to be a fun bunch, except the Nazis. <laughs> except the Nazis. <laughs> I'm not sure what they're doing in this mix so far. Okay, uh, evil Moogles? That'd be fun. <laughs> like, the run around is like... <laughs> now, see, Moogles, you know, Moogles are like these cute, cuddly creatures from Final Fantasy games. Uh, they're usually very enterprising. They're either like merchants or stuff, yeah, or explorers, or, 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 or postal men, or postmen. <laughs> yeah, depending on the game, they're they're very they're they're the enterprising, cute little things. They're that like you wanna... you're like they're kind of like white little, things with pink wings and a little yeah. bulb on their head, <laughs> a little like giant nose or something. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, then uh, this is another one of yours, the series. This is the Sean Chan. So- uh, say that again? The Sean Chan. Sean Chan. Yes. What's that for? This is from Wheel of Time. Okay. I had to throw it in. I figured. Okay, Arthur Hawkwing takes his army across the ocean. A thousand years later, the Sean Chan comes back. They're his descendants. And they they're basically think that it's their right to conquer the world. Oh, um, okay. And they have a very kind of bizarre Eastern... Um, so humanoid? Yeah, they're humans. Oh, okay, they're humans. They're so human. Okay. But they have, but well, are... they wear, they ride like weird, uh, like three-eyed creatures and stuff like that. Oh. Okay. And flying dragonish things. But their social structure is very intricate and complicated, and very shame-based, very oh, kind of okay. Eastern in that way. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> We've got quite the. <laughs> and our final race here is the huts. The oh wow, <laughs> We've got two enterprising. Um, the Moogles might actually work for the Huts. In some way. It sounds bizarre because the, the Huts are, you know, of course, the gang lords, yeah. the, the slum leaders, um, you know, giant slugs. And whereas uh, Moogles are the most color even, even though they're enterprising, they're also like cute and cuddly. And they're they're very yeah, they're very good generally. Yeah, they're very good. Whereas So huts so really are what not. you have here is that the Huts and the Nazis are forming an alliance. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah. Because Either the Natsu will do the Hutt's dirty work or vice versa. I'm not sure which. <laughs> um, I, w- I would lean toward Nazis are very, um, you know, they have a creed. They have, they have a very idealistic, whereas Hutt's, they just want to make a buck where That's true. That's true. But they'll, they'll, they'll play into the dark, the underside of the Nazi system. Empire. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then the Gorons and the Mughals probably work together pretty well. They're both okay. kind of friendly, dancey, sort of, you know, fancy creatures. Okay. What now, Sean Chen... They're not likely to bow to anyone. Yeah. Would, but would they work with these other races? I mean, it sounds like you said they want to basically... They're, they're largely the sort of people that want to assimilate people into their culture. Okay. As opposed to accept other people's culture. Mm. Um, they see kind of their, their mandate to, to spread the empire. Okay, so I'm, I'm sort of picturing this the Serchan on this continual war against the Nazis with yeah. the hut support... Whereas the Gora and the Mughals kind of do their own thing, they kind of they kind of support you know. You no, know, they they'd have to basically no pun intended live underground, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean because they'd want to stay out of everyone's way in many ways. Maybe they'd show up to here and there do for freedom fighters on either side or whatever. Yeah, I, okay. But I think I, that, that. I think they're more they they in this case be isolationist. Okay, I can see the Mughals just kind of being kind of. Feel like they'd show up just they'd be wherever like, they'd, they'd be like kind of neutral 
merchants places you know yeah just in the normal the not 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 in the upper echelons but in the down low people like hey i'll just yeah i'll we'll slip be, you this and yeah. yeah we can make a deal here it'd be very interesting the sean chan and the nazis against each other kind of sean chan have magic on their side um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what the huts exactly are i mean we, again we did we said kind of equal technological ground yeah so, so they they could have blast. I mean, the Nazis have blasters then. Yeah, probably. It probably it's, it it probably would become a technology versus magic sort of yeah. battle. I mean, what would be what would hold the Shuan Chen back is that they they have they're very good about like when they capture a city, like they can make the people can like them. Like they'll they'll they're pretty good occupiers. Oh, okay. And I think they're um, in some ways they'll make things better than they were. Uh-huh. Um, they're very efficient. Okay. So people may prefer being conquered by them than the Nazis. Mm, okay, because they're just they're a little they're a little more better at assimilating people into a productive way of life. Gotcha. Yeah, Nazis. I guess that was that might go a little against now. I think about the rule I said at the beginning, where the races kind of be willing to work together. Nazis are sort of Dalek like and just wanting to take at least in the in the popular terminology. Yeah. Yeah. So. That may be a bad choice on my part. And, and especially since uh, Sean Chen, by definition, are not the Aryan race. Yeah. I mean, they're from across the sea. Now, yeah. maybe, I mean, they're, they're so Eastern, you know, maybe they could make this uneasy alliance and split the world in half. That's true. I mean, and even Nazis made alliance. They made no, their own alliances. People. Yeah. So, I so guess they could, they still, couldn't, they could eventually, fits. I could see having an uneasy peace eventually between the two sides. Possibly. But um, with this sort of virulent underworld. Yeah. Basically, yeah, that both of them are trying to trying to stamp out or, or mm-hmm. control. Yeah. So it'd be kind of a... And then you'd have this... Well, you have two underworlds. You have the Hutt's underworld, and you have the kind of the good Goron <laughs> underworld. Yeah, it's kind of a schizophrenic planet. It yeah. seems like we have between the cute and cuddly and the... So uh, maybe a lot of the, the more... You know, maybe a lot of people escape to the Goron. Maybe that's kind of the asylum, the Mughal oh. Goron world. That could be. For people who either don't want to be oppressed by the Nazis or don't agree with how the Shantan Jan run things. Mm-hmm. I can see I can that. See yeah. Okay. Well, that one got a very, uh, that was a lot of battle yeah. strategy in that one. So Yeah, I threw that. I knew the Sean Chen would be a little ex- uh, complicated. A little extreme. <laughs> yes. But I wanted to be different. All right. Yes. That is good. All right. So next one up here. All right. First off, we've got Wookiees. Wookiees. I almost wrote Wookiees, but I did not. <laughs> and they will be sharing a place with Fraggles. All right. Hey. All right. They can live in the trees together? I don't know. No, Fraggles are underground. Yeah, I mean, they, they would venture above ground. Yeah. But. So Wookiees, of course, from you know Chewbacca yeah. race from Star Wars. Fraggles. Fraggle down Rock, Fraggle Rock. Down Fraggle Rock. I mean, what, yeah. yeah. If you don't know that, <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, honestly. The Noldor? Oh, the Noldor. Wow. You didn't just go elves from Middle Earth. <laughs> no. You went specifically the Noldor because we're reading the Silmarillion. I'm reading the Silmarillion right now. The Noldor who, who want the Silmarils and have are under the the Doom of Mandos. Yeah. So following Fionor. The entire, so the Nold, they're a race of elves. Yeah. Or a faction. They're, they're, or they're in some ways the, the strongest, most noble race, race of elves, except they also have this tragic. Uh, Desire to to um, find the gems that the somewhere else that they they're that were stolen from them that were stolen from them. So they have a, a chip on their shoulder. Now, trying to remind me because Noldor were among the groups of elves that went to Valinor. Yeah, basically Valar. Yeah, Valar. Some Valinor. of them stayed, but was but well, did the all t- the Noldor leave? Um, 
very nearly all of them. One of the three brothers stayed with the Talari, oh, okay. all right. which are which they end up, you know, they had the, the first big battle, the kinslaying, when the Noldor kilts on the Talari okay. on that island. And yeah. gotcha. Okay, so I'm I'm steeped in Mill Earth lore at the moment, <laughs> audience. So never a bad thing in my book. All right, then we got the Centauri. Ooh, right, Centauri. If you're Balon Five, they're basically the Roman Empire. Yeah, if, <laughs> if the I mean the toward the end of the Roman Empire, essentially, where yeah. they were uh, they're, they're, kind of degraded. They're the down- degraded. They're on the downside, but they they're constantly trying to live up to their old glory. Yeah, which actually doesn't matter. Kind of matches the old order to a certain extent. In a but, bizarre way. Yeah, yeah I mean, Noldor are a little higher. They're, they're not de- as degraded, at least no. most of the time. Yeah, they're, they still have higher They've culture, seen the light of ethics. the Valinor. Yeah, more enlightened, I guess you could say. Okay, and then finally, the Ga'uld. Oh, from, uh, yeah. Star- from Stargate. I, finally, I finally remember the race from, from Stargate. They're like, basically the main enemies, at least for the beginning part of the show. Yeah. Maybe there's some good ones, right? Some of the good Ga'uld. Possibly. Join the, you know, there's uh, only one left in the Let's throw it in there. So we go ahead and throw it in there. That is uh, Asimov Robots. Oh, the robots from, As- like, with the three laws of robotics. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, I figured just throwing robots in a little too much, so I thought we'd <laughs> the three laws. Specifically from those. All right, so um, so we got Fraggles, Wookiees, Noldor, Centauri, Ga'uld, and Asimov Robots. Oh, boy. This is uh, quite quite the melting pot. It is. I think I do feel like the Noldor and the Wookiee would get along. For some reason. I feel like the Wookiee are... Well, first off, they both love trees. This is true. And the Wookiees have... Uh, a certain nobility They do have a certain nobility. I mean, they can be... Life day. Silly and... Free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> they, they can be silly and, and ferocious, but they do have this sort of... At least they think they have this certain dignity yeah. about them. So I, the Noldor might see them as a little... I think they would like them in the same way they like men. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I can see that, yeah. That... They're less raised, but there are a lot of nobility and valiant Wookiees, and yes. they'll fight alongside them. Indeed. At the same time, I feel like, well, Fraggles are an interesting thing, because they're, they're mostly isolationists themselves. Yeah. They stay underground. Yeah. Um, they have been known, though, to get along with, toward the, I think toward the end of the show, they learn how to get along with some of their other races in their world. Oh, okay. Like, I think they finally actually make friends with the Gorgs and the Dudes. Oh, really? And, okay. And Chile, toward the end of the show. So I, I could see them getting along very well with the Wookiees, honestly. Yeah, I think it would take them a while. Yeah, probably, yes. It would take them and a And probably, while. you know, it probably that a lot of them would stay isolationist and there'd be ambassadors and slow amounts of them that would come out. and Yeah. And, you know, they'd be slow to inter- intermingle. Yes, I, I, would, I would agree with that. So, but they would certainly not cause any harm. No, no, absolutely not. The Centauri, I feel, would, out of the sense of pride, would want to be the rulers, I feel like I, I think that's true. I think it would be difficult. Zatari going to be caught between a rock and a hard place because they would probably really admire the Noldor, um, but they, they would feel a little inferior. They wouldn't want to feel inferior to them, though. Yes, and meanwhile, you also have the Gauld, who are also the ruling type, and they they have this they have this means of. I guess we didn't describe them at all. The Gaul are actually like I think the actual creature is just a little like slug essentially, yeah. but they're they're a parasitic race that they will infect a host body, usually a human, at least on the show. Yeah. Maybe they infected other races. I don't Probably. Know. So basically, they use the host body as their. Well, main see, that's thing gonna be dangerous because they could sp- spread. They could spread. I feel like in the in the face of the Gaul. The Centauri and the Noldor would work together. It's probably true. I, it, well, except the Noldor are very proud. True. Like, they're not against help, but they're not going to ask for it. No, 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 they, they probably wouldn't. But the same, yeah, I can't, 
I can't imagine the Centauri doing very well against the Gaud. Not by themselves. They're yeah, just not by themselves. They talk more than they succeed. Yeah, at least at the point in With, the, in, where we're talking about. Yeah, in their in, history. In their history, if we were talking from Babylon Five era. You know, the sad thing is. They might work with gold if they thought that in the end it would benefit them. I mean, they work with the keepers. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they would have... To- it wouldn't be the first time a parasitic race worked with the Centauri. Oh, dang. That's a good point. <laughs> but at the same time, that even that wasn't entirely willingly. That's true. But I could see them being co-opted. I could see the gold taking advantage of the Centauri if they, if they in spoke some ways. well yeah. and, and promised promised the right things the the Centauri could easily be taken and, in and, and unfortunately the Noldor may if they don't suspect subterfuge i mean depending how at what part, point they come in and how suspicious they are be that first they're not really suspicious of many people except the dark one yeah <laughs> that's true hmm interesting but the wookiee would are, are do not uh, trust people necessarily no, I, I I feel like the the Wookies would. I feel like they'd get wind. They're they're they, they they might actually be more proactive against the Gaul. Yeah, yeah. I could I could certainly see that. I, I feel like they would. Their suspicions would be raised high. You know what? Earlier. Though the Fraggles and Noldor are going to love each other. <laughs> okay. No, because the Fraggles go down and bring gems out from the earth that Noldor can then use to make weapons and crowns and craft. They love they love smithing and stuff. I, it's possible. I mean, Fraggles are very naive, so they they would. It's like, ooh, shiny rocks. And they, yeah, they, you could just tell them, they like, hey, bring us more shiny rocks. And <laughs> the thing, the thing, they would treat them well. I mean, they're like sprites of the earth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it it depends on how much they the 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 Gould were not necessarily a benel event rulers, to be honest. Yeah. So I I I could see the Fraggles just being scared of them if they raise their voices too Wait, loud. Who? I mean, I can see the Fraggles run, being scared of the Gaul. No, 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 I'm saying the Noldor and the Fraggles go. Oh, I thought you said the Gaul. Oh, if I said that, I said by accident. No, okay. the, that the makes, Noldor. That makes a lot would, more sense. Yeah, yeah, I can see why you were confused Yeah, if I said that. Um, but then, I tell you what, the elves have some great singing um, that the Fraggles really enjoy. Yeah, they you would know, Galandro could go there. and You know, I think because of Silmarillion, even some of the movies, we think of uh, elves being very stoic a lot of times. But if you read some of the early, like Hobbits or uh, Lord of the Rings stuff, they could also be quite merry at yeah. times. Yeah, I mean, Elrond's house is always full of parties. Yeah, so I think Fraggles and Noldor could get along So yeah, quite, I, I think we got a nice well. try. I mean, not that Fraggles didn't help a lot, but between the Noldor and the Wookiees and the... Fraggles, you got a pretty strong group of basically earth-friendly, noble party people. <laughs> uh, and, and warriors. Yes. No, I, I think, mean, the Fraggles aren't warriors, but I the other it, two I are. I think it's a, it's a strong, happy alliance there. And I think, I think they could certainly... I just feel the Centauri are going to get taken in, and it'll be a tragic ending. They might just be left yeah. over Lando, but... Uh, man, that's... It kind of breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, now, one group we haven't even hardly touched on here is the Asimov robots. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what part they play in all this. They're probably on both sides. Well, now the question is, I, I wonder if this is something that the Noldor created. I mean, you w- you wouldn't think about the Noldor being like making technology type stuff but like this. They would in this in this universe. In this universe, they're very they're very creative. They're very industrious. It's possible they are the ones who created the Asimov robots. Yeah, the, yeah. The Noldor. And the, and the thing is, the robots wouldn't fight. They can't fight. Oh, that's by, true. By definition. Hmm, interesting. And they wouldn't be any use to the Gaul at all, because no. they can't infect them. So they would just kind of be, 
I think the Fraggles might really like hat running run around with them. <laughs> maybe, maybe they can control them. Like, yeah. the, can you see a little Fraggle in a, in a, <laughs> That'd be awesome. running around in a body? <laughs> they probably like make them dance and like <laughs> flail their arms around. And <laughs> I, I think that, that's awesome. I think I think generally we have a very happy world with a little bit of tragedy on the edges. Yeah, and some and uh, and unfortunately, I think throughout the history, gold the gold tried to sneak in through various races. But I think generally they they wouldn't succeed. Yeah, I I, I concur. Get enough friendship and um, I think alliance the, loyalty, a lot of loyalty. And honestly, probably if this is the Noldor before they go crazy, you know, if they strike up a good friendship with the Wookies early on, I could see them enhancing their strengths and weaknesses yeah. really well, balancing yeah. the, those things out. Yeah. So man, I, I would like to see some sort of flash, uh, some sort of fan fiction with Noldor and Wookies, <laughs> or even just some fan art. You know, Can yeah, you, that'd be <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> this is we're, this is gold right here. Yeah, go for it, guys. You're the <laughs> internet. So all right, all right. well, that, I think that was a lot. That of was fun. good. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I think the last one was our was, is my favorite. Yeah, I think the that, Nazi huts were kind of fun too. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some there's some fun uh, fun fans. It's fun like there. we're playing Smash up here. And it, it, I thought about that. Yeah, it, it's similar except different. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Tim. That's insightful commentary right there. That's what you come to hear here at Derail Train of Thought. <laughs> All right, we should wrap this up, though. Animals are... Uh, okay. Um, so, if you so. want to listen to all our episodes, you can find them at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. Uh, listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoy us, please tell, um, share the love with your friends. Spread on, you know, because you know more people than we do. Yes. And maybe leave us a review on iTunes. I mean, That'd be very helpful. Yes. So people will see, hey, there are actual people, human beings, who listen to this. And it's not just horrible. <laughs> Unless your review says it's just horrible, and then we don't want your review. It, it's not too helpful. No. All right. To uh, close this out, I had a tricky time picking out a uh, soundtrack, but I, I finally wound up with a song, for a remix from Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, which I picked for two reasons. One, I think that game has some political undertones yeah. with the espionage in it. Uh, two, this remix called Electric Gear Solid. Um, looking at the comments, it, it had some debates from the judges about whether it had actually done much of a, it, whether it was a fresh take on, oh, yeah. the, on the source material enough. Because it does sound very similar to the original song. But it wound up, they thought the instrumentation was good enough, they yeah. went ahead and, and approved it. So with that, you know, debates. There you, know, you go. There politics, you go. there you go. Yep. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Well, we need to say goodbye to all our people. We do need to say goodbye to all our peoples. Um, all right, guys. And we need to get out of here, we, too. I, I'm not comfortable here. Let's go. This is one of the there's, more dangerous some, places. Good, if we leave out, leave the towers, there's some nice inns, some some nice Ogier-built architecture to look at. Okay. It's really good. I'll let you lead the way. I, I feel like you know your way around I here. know this way pretty well. Yeah. It's been a while, but I got it. Okay. Good, so, good to hear. But uh, anyways, this has been Nick. And this is Tim. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.